Welcome to CoreLogic REIP Market Insights with Tim Lawless. I'm your host, Sadhna Smiles. This is where you will get the most up-to-date information on what is happening across the country in the property market. Our data is underpinned by CoreLogic. Tim Lawless is the leading expert on the real estate market, and REIP is a collective of real estate industry leaders committed to uniting and empowering the industry and our clients. Please enjoy this month's Market Insights. Welcome to REIP Market Insights. My name is Sadna Smiles, your host, and with me is Tim Lawless. Tim, how are you? Yeah, really well. Thank you, Sadna. It's been quite a cracker month for, for housing markets, that's for sure. I've, it has been, hasn't it? And you think about it, a year ago, we went lockdown across the country. And yet this month, a year on, we've seen the end of JobKeeper, the end of the moratoriums, um, the mortgage deferral program has expired, and yet we are continuing to see the growth. In fact, it has been the strongest growth since October 1988. What are the growth levels that you are seeing across the capital cities? Yeah, it's hard to believe where the market was a year ago, and uh, you know there were so many different predictions on where things would end up. But I don't think anybody predicted <laughs> that we'd be seeing the strongest market since 1988. That's for sure. So uh, it's uh, we we are still seeing very broad-based growth conditions here, uh, but some subtle changes over the past month or two. So we've really started to see Sydney and Melbourne accelerate through the ranks. In fact, Sydney housing values. We're up nearly 4% in the space of a month. Uh, the monthly growth rate was 3.7%, but house values themselves, as opposed to unit values, were up more than 4% in a month. So Sydney, well and truly starting to lead the, uh, the pace of capital gains, but Melbourne and Brisbane also really strong at 2.4% growth rate over the month in those markets. Perth, Adelaide, uh, you know, the, those markets still remain strong, in fact, Adelaide was the weakest performing capital city over the month, but that was with a growth rate of 1.5%, which is still quite a spectacular rate of growth. So we are still seeing this really broad-based um, strength in the marketplace. A few of the other subtle themes are houses still outperforming apartments, but we've now started to see the capital cities take over from the regional markets, or most of the regional markets anyway, for a, a slightly higher rate of capital growth. Mm. In fact, we're starting to see, particularly in regional markets, properties are staying on market for a very short period of time. You know, within a few days, they are either under offer or, or, or sold. Do you see this trend continuing for a while? Well, it looks like it probably will. Maybe, maybe not quite as, as tight as what we're seeing through February and March, because we are starting to see the number of new listings tracking higher than previous years now. In fact, uh, nationally, we're seeing new listings above the five-year average. First time we've seen that in a long time, but it's that rate of absorption, that really rapid, uh, uh, the really high number of people out there that are buying properties that's still absorbing uh, the higher new additions to the market. So even though we are seeing fresh stock really lifting up through the market as vendors realize what, a good, uh, what good selling conditions it is, buyer activity is still outweighing that. So we look at a ratio of new listings to uh, sales or sales to new listings. There's tracking at 1.1, which means for every new listing that comes into the market, there's 1.1 sales, which is placing that downwards pressure on total listing numbers and keeping the market really with this, this quite um, mm. frenzied sense of urgency for a lot mm. of buyers. Mm. 
Yeah, it surprises me. I would have thought the listing numbers would have seen a, a significant increase given the price points that people are seeing in the marketplace. It would be tempting for people to put their properties in the market. Why do you think that they're holding back at the moment? Well, they aren't anymore. It does seem like, you know, uh, we are seeing more stock coming onto the market. It's just being snapped up so quickly. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the thing. We are seeing a lot more new listings coming on the market now, uh, more than the last couple of years. It's above average. It's uh, buy-in numbers are even more above average. So, uh, you know, a good way to look at it is we've seen about a 25% lift in, um, uh, sorry, about a 20% lift in the number of buyers nationally over the past quarter, but the total number of listings, uh, total advertised stock levels is down by about 25% despite this rise in new listings. So, this is really a story of a disconnect between supply and demand that's pushing mm. up prices. Mm. And we're starting to see a rise in unit uh, prices as well, which is some good news for investors out there. Yeah, the unit market has been underperforming compared to houses. And I think that's probably demonstrative of just this subtle shift towards lower density housing options, uh, which, which doesn't really surprise me during a pandemic. But we are starting to see unit values rising, not quite as fast as house values, and even in some of the inner city apartment precincts that have been a little bit more challenging, particularly from a, from a rental perspective, they're also starting to stabilize in value as well. We're still seeing some pretty tough rental conditions around those inner city high rise precincts. I don't think that's going to change until we see uh, overseas borders opening up and foreign students coming back into, uh, into the tenancies. Mm. Do you think it's getting too hot too quickly? And should we be concerned, in particular with JobKeeper ending, the end of the mortgage deferrals, um, that will moderate this surge and growth um, a little bit? You know, or is it that FOMO is driving this whole market surge at the moment? Well, no, I'd probably agree with you or, or the former, where yeah, the market is, is really hot and uh, unsustainably strong. We wouldn't expect housing values to be rising this fast uh, for an extended period of time. If you look back historically at times when we have seen housing values rising at sort of a similar rate of growth, so back in the late 80s, and then we had a recession. So that, that pretty much quelled the market as economic conditions weakened. Uh, you can look at the early 2000s, around 2003, we started to see conditions slowing down as interest rates started to rise. 2009, after the GFC, it was uh, rising interest rates and a removal of stimulus. And then back in 2015, it was a credit intervention, uh, very focused on investors. So, you know, we're definitely not expecting a weakness or a weakening in the economy to slow the market down. It seems there's plenty of momentum there. Rates aren't going to rise anytime soon to slow the market. So this is probably going to be a market that continues to run for a little while. But I think naturally affordability constraints will, uh, will start to slow things down organically. And we're starting to think that uh, a credit, um, a new round of credit tightening policies is probably looking more likely, although the timing of that is highly uncertain. Yeah, it's going to be interesting actually when they do have the timing of that. Um, people are predicting more into 2021, 20, sorry, 22, 23, that potentially will happen. Do you agree? Yeah, it could even be earlier than that, but uh, I think I think it's safe to say that we won't see credit policies being tightened because housing prices are rising so quickly. Uh, the RBA and APRA have been very clear that any sort of catalyst for tightening credit policy is, has got to be around lending standards starting to slip 
or household debt levels starting to rise even further than what they are currently. So mm. yeah, if you look at the mandates for APRA and RBA, there's nothing in there about trying to control housing prices. So I think they're quite right in saying that, but I think they'll be looking at for any opportunity to, uh, to start to, to, to throttle down credit flows and uh, uh, try, to, try to get the housing market back to a more sustainable level of growth. Yeah. And what about auction clearance rates? I know um, in one of your insights this month, you've mentioned that I think it was Melbourne that uh, has achieved the, one of the highest auction clearance rates across the country. Yeah, clearance rates are high pretty much everywhere. So the weighted average has held through uh, the entirety of March. It's held above 80%, which, which again is, is breaking records. We, we don't normally see auction clearance rates getting up to 80%. And the last few times we've seen that, they've only been there for a week or so. So to see four weeks where clearance rates have held above 80% is quite unique. And again, it's really a reflection of that tightness in the market. You, you can look at some of the subregions. The Mornington Peninsula in Melbourne is a really good example. The Northern Beaches in Sydney, uh, both you know lifestyle markets a little bit further out from the city, but it seems to be that's where the heat is. Uh, auction clearance and rates in those markets up above ninety percent. So it's uh, definitely demonstrating this uh, this fit between buyer and seller pricing expectations is extremely tight, and it's a, it is a seller's market. Yeah. Now the mortgage deferral program has expired and the current fixed loan periods will start to come to an end in 2022-23. Do you think this will subdue the market um, in terms of the deferral program, especially in the next quarter? Yeah, I don't think the, the deferral program is going to have much impact at all, to be honest. And, uh, you know, by the end of February, there was only half a percent of all mortgages were still on a, on a deferred arrangement. So we have seen, you know, at one stage, it was 11% of all mortgages were, were under a deferral. And if that was still the case, then absolutely we'd be expecting there'd be a surge of distressed stock coming into the market. But half a percent uh, um, is still you know, important, but I don't think it's enough to have a material impact on the flow of, of housing trends. And, uh, you know, we don't really understand exactly where that half a percent um, is concentrated. But my guess is it's probably more concentrated in the investor space yeah. And also more concentrated around some of those inner city apartment precincts where there's been such a significant hit to rental incomes, which are probably making it a bit harder for those landlords to uh, to cover their mortgage repayments. Yeah. Now, the rental market, talking about investors, the rental market has been quite diverse around the whole country. What are you seeing, especially in the difference between the regions, um, city and, and regional markets? Yeah, well, at one end of the spectrum, we've got the really weak rental markets around inner Melbourne and inner Sydney. Uh, inner Melbourne rents are down about 22% over the past uh, over the past year, since since March last year when COVID became a thing. Inner Sydney rents are down about 13%. Overall, Sydney and Melbourne apartment rents are down somewhere between five and eight percent. So it does seem to be those inner city pockets of high-rise apartments that's really dragging on on the rental indicators. Mm. At the other end, you've got markets like Perth and Darwin, which are well and truly into double-digit annual rental growth for both houses and units. And these are very tight rental markets. They've got a history of not adding a great deal of rental stock, simply because there hasn't been a lot of investment in these markets. So, uh, and now they're starting to see the tailwind of, of demographic changes, of um, stronger demographic trends as well, which is boosting rental demand. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of divergence in the rental indicators but broadly, houses showing stronger rental conditions than units, kind of like, like values, 
and those inner city precincts compared to uh, um, the broader middle and outer fringe areas and regional markets seem to be much stronger. Yeah, and I think the city markets will start to see um, an uptick in the, the pace of the rentals and the rental price point once immigration opens up again, because they were so dependent on immigration numbers. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, once international borders reopen, uh, it's probably not going to be as quickly as clicking the light switch, I don't yeah. think. Uh, yeah. It probably depends on what the policies are around uh, who's been vaccinated or not, and that yeah. type of thing, and what we have a bubble with. You know, there's also China, of course. Who knows if uh, we'll see a return of the same number of Chinese students coming back to Australia, considering some of the tensions that have uh, been, been quite palpable lately. So uh, mm. it'll be interesting to see how that flows. Even once international borders open, there's probably not complete certainty that those markets will shore up immediately. Mm. Yeah, because in most regions, some of these investments are starting to see a, a positive cash flow, particularly in the, in the um, against their investments, mortgage rates and increasing yields, which is great news for those investors. Yeah, absolutely. Outside of Sydney and Melbourne, typical gross yields are around the mid 4% range. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you consider uh, well, investor mortgage rates are generally sort of around the two to two and a halfs, uh, maybe even getting up to the threes, but uh, generally you would find on average properties uh, straight off the bat are moving into a positive cash flow. Mm, mm. So now we know what goes up must come down, Tim. We, we all know that. So what do you think will slow the, the pace of growth that we're seeing right now? Um, and, and what do you think will be the, the trigger for the downsizing phase? Yeah, I think the, the, probably most immediately it's going to be affordability constraints. Mm. Fewer people simply being able to participate in the marketplace because prices are rising so quickly at a time when incomes aren't really going to be doing too much at all. So if you look at the median house value in Sydney now, it's just broken $1.1 million, which pretty makes it pretty obvious that not everybody can participate in a marketplace that's that expensive. So we may start to see that demand being deflected back into sort of the medium density sector. It's, uh, chances are we'll start to see demand just organically tapering, particularly first home buyers, partly due to affordability, partly due to less incentives available in the market. But longer term, as we as we discussed a little bit earlier on, is probably more a story around credit becoming a little bit tighter. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, obviously, interest rates can't stay as low as what they are forever. So uh, once we start to see the economy getting to a stage where there's some wages growth coming through, that, that'll push up inflation. Um, that'll start to uh, um, set the uh, uh, wheels in motion for a rate hike, which I think will be quite a gradual process. But Anytime we've seen rates study to rise historically, that's generally dampened to some of the exuberance in housing markets as well. Mm. But for the month of April, we expect to see more of the same. Yeah, it looks like there's some momentum in the market, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, will we see the same sort of figures as we saw in March? Probably not. And, you know, I probably hope that we don't because uh, it is unsustainable. It's probably could be described as unhealthy to see housing yes. values rising this quickly. Yeah, it's concerning, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's exciting to watch it happen unless you're in the market trying to buy something. But it, but it is. It's, it is very concerning to see it heat up so quickly. Mm. Tim, thank you as usual for your time. And I look forward to reassessing the market with you again in, uh, in April. Thank you, Sadna. Have a, have a great month. You too. Thank you for joining us. Please take a few moments to rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. Until next time, stay safe and stay connected.